Kay Bannon. Left, let me ask you, um, does Ukraine have chemical or biological weapons? Uh, Ukraine has uh, biological research facilities, which, in fact, we are now quite concerned Russian troops, Russian forces may be seeking to uh, gain control of. So we are working with the Ukrainians on how they can prevent any of those research materials from falling into the hands of uh, Russian forces should they approach. I'm sure you're aware that the Russian propaganda groups are already putting out there all kinds of information about how they've uncovered a plot by the Ukrainians to release biological weapons in the country and with NATO's coordination. If there's a biological or chemical weapon incident or, uh, or attack inside of Ukraine, is there any doubt in your mind that 100 percent it would be the Russians that would be behind it? There is no doubt in my mind, Senator, and it is classic Russian uh, technique to blame on the other guy what they're planning to do themselves. Some new comments from the head of the FBR adding to the debate over the origin of COVID-19, whether the Chinese government covered up where the virus came from. This is a bipartisan congressional committee set its sights on what it calls China's threat to the United States and to our national security. NBC News senior Capitol Hill correspondent Garrett Hake has the latest. A blunt new assessment from the head of the FBI about the origins of COVID-19, deepening the debate this morning over what triggered the global pandemic. The FBI has for quite some time now assessed that the origins of the pandemic are most likely a potential lab incident. The FBI's agents, analysts and biological threat experts assessing that a lab in Wuhan, China was the virus's likely source. The Chinese government denies that, but FBI Director Chris Wray says they've tried to hide evidence from the world. The observation that the Chinese government seems to me has been doing its best to try to thwart and obfuscate uh, the work here, the work that we're doing. Ray's comments coming just days after news broke that the U.S. Department of Energy also concluded with low confidence that the virus, which has killed more than 1.1 million Americans, had likely originated from a laboratory leak and described it as an accident. Other U.S. agencies believe the virus emerged naturally, a view which had been the mainstream scientific consensus for much of the pandemic. The evidence strongly points to this being a natural occurrence of a jumping of a virus from a bat to an animal species to human. The renewed debate over the pandemic's origin among the topics explored in the first primetime hearing of a new bipartisan select committee in Congress, focusing on competition between China and the United States. And do you believe that China has taken the appropriate steps to make a future lab leak less likely? I think that the system that's in place in China does not permit for or prize uh, serious safety. The committee's Republican chairman telling NBC News he hopes its work serves as a national wake-up call. I hope people understand why they should care about the threat posed by the Chinese Communist Party, why this is not just a distant, over-there problem, but increasingly a problem that affects all Americans right here at home. Garrett Hake. Hey, welcome. Uh, it is Wednesday, 1 March, the year of our Lord, 2023. There's, you know, everybody now is on the... Talking about the Wuhan lab, which, you know, we told you exactly what happened on 23 January of 2020. It's only three, and a, three years ago. One of the reasons they're doing this is Zelensky's rubbing up on Xi. So they, they, they finally have to make 
uh, the CCP, the true enemy of the United States, which they are, but they're only doing this because their beloved Ukraine is now involved. I want to go to Dr. Andrew Huff, probably one of the most definitive books about all of this, The Truth About Wuhan. Dr. Huff, thank you very much. Walk us through, first off, why is it all now this this huge big deal about Wuhan when people that are focused on this have known the truth for a long time, a number of years, sir? Well, there's a number of things that are taking place. So the truth about Wuhan and the story is starting to get into the mainstream now. Even the left is buying on to the correct narrative, which this was a likely the result of a laboratory leak or potentially intentionally released from the Wuhan Institute of Virology in China. The U.S. government and the different agencies now are all trying to, to jockey and position to pin the blame on China. This is the, the narrative shift that's taking place, and I'm not going to allow that to happen. Another th interesting thing that's happening here is that this past week, my book was uh, acquired by a filmmaker and a producer in Hollywood after I received several different offers, and they're going to make a feature film out of my book. Simultaneously, all these different congressional hearings are heating up. Hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. I love your, I love your optimism. Are you saying in Hollywood that you could make Hollywood is controlled by the CCP? Are you actually saying that you think? I take it was not a studio. These are independent producers. You don't have to give me their names, but these are independent producers, not associated with a studio. They're independent producers backed by A-list a Hollywood people. I can say that. And I'd say they're aligned with our cause. And I think many of them are seeing through um, the BS. And many of those people, actually, they're, they're vaccine injured or, um, you know, they lost their jobs in Hollywood. And many of the people on the left are coming over to the right or to the libertarian side, depending on how you want to look at it, on, on this issue. And yeah, they've, they've, they've everyone who actually the, the lefties who read my book um, said this is the only thing that I've read that makes sense, and that was from a, a famous Hollywood uh, screenwriter. So tell me, so walk me through what is the truth about Wuhan, and and even now you're seeing it totally obfuscated. I mean the the DOE thing was 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 strong, but it's not as strong. I mean these are dead certainties. I mean it, it was it's a level four. PLA run directly reported to the CCP, which has a network of these labs, uh, both uh, levels three and, and a couple of level fours throughout the country that are all inextricably linked, tied together to their bio, uh, biological weapons program, sir. Yes. Yeah, so th there's a number of things. And going back to this Department of Energy report, this is actually the second report. So the first report from the Department of Energy came out in 2021. That was from Lawrence, Libera uh, Lawrence Livermore Laboratory, uh, their Z department, which is their intelligence wing. Um, this past week, the new report is from Los Alamos National Laboratory, which was the sister lab of the laboratory where I was doing this kind of work at Sandia National Laboratory. And that was from scientists. So technically, there's actually three different government assessments now, which are pinning this to the, the Wuhan Institute of Virology. And, you know, there's a lot to talk about here. And I'll try to break this down as simply as I, concisely as I can. The United States was trading advanced biotechnology from Dr. Ralph Barrick's laboratory and Dr. Ian Lipkin's laboratories at Columbia University and the University of North Carolina via where I was a vice president, EcoHealth Alliance, to the Wuhan Institute of Virology. The reason why this trade went down was that the United States government was trying to collect intelligence 
on the Wuhan Institute of Virology. And the only way to get Americans or Westerners into that laboratory was through um, giving them something. It wasn't the money, it wasn't the contract or the grant that they needed. I mean, the money is almost laughable. I mean, four or $500,000 from the US government to the Chinese is not gonna be enough to do a lot of complicated um, biodefense bio or bioweapons or even uh, dual use research of concern, which this falls under effectively making it a bioweapon. So here we are transferring this advanced biotechnology to the Chinese so we can sort of see what's going on in the laboratory. The Chinese pull a fast one on us and they're doing this in unsafe conditions and it leaks out of their laboratory quite predictably so. And then that, you know, the interesting here, thing here where uh, I think Director Ray is lying. Hold on, hold on, oh, hang, hang on, whoa, 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 hang on, for, hang on a second, hang on a second. Directed evolution or the gain of function, which is really the, the, the powering up of these viruses, was so dangerous that, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it's when they started seeing uh, reports come, come out of the University of Maryland, which is essentially a commuter college, that members of the National Security Council and others in the Obama administration moved immediately to shut down gain of function experiments, correct? Including Dr. Burke, and particularly Dr. Burke at the University of North Carolina, and I think down at Gal University of Texas in Galveston. There was a hold put on that. So are you telling me during that time, oh, that we had a hold in the United States because it's too dangerous for us to do in labs that are controlled at the highest levels, that the, the intelligence agencies thought it was a good idea to allow the same technology, which is essentially weaponization or directed evolution, whatever you want to call it, to uh, to the Wuhan lab, which, correct me if wrong, had just come online under the French built it, and the French were supposed to oversee it, but they got kicked out right away because they didn't want prying eyes, that somebody in our government, somebody in our intelligence services thought it was a good idea to allow these totally unsupervised uh, level four labs to have this uh, advanced technology? Is, is, that your, is that your theory of the case? That's exactly my theory of the case. And, and it's a little bit more like when the domestic ban on gain of function uh, kicks in in 2014, EcoHealth Alliance, where I was working, becomes the vessel to then do this domestically banned gain of function work, outsource it to the Chinese, simultaneously giving them advanced uh, biotechnology, uh, both methods and materials, effectively bringing their bioweapons program up to speed. Because there, it was thought that we actually thought when I was working at San Diego National Laboratories that their bioweapons program was probably 10 to 15 years behind um, U.S. technology. So it's really through this partnership via EcoHealth Alliance where we bring them up to speed. And where the intelligence angle you know, comes in on this is that <laughs> Peter Daszak told me that he was working with the Central Intelligence Agency. And specifically, they're interested in the data uh, we were collecting, the places we were working, that being China. And um, the hold, it, hold it, hold it, hang on, hang on, hang, hang on, hang on. It gets banned, and they actually have a National Security Council meeting about it being banned. Quite frankly, people are surprised that what's the University of Maryland going go, having doing? What are they doing? What's Barrick doing down in North Carolina? There's so much confusion that people don't know what's going on. They put a hard ban on it, and and people should understand putting hard bans on scientific research is pretty extraordinary. Um, who thought if they're ten and fifteen years behind, and we do know because they've had to come and sign protocols. They're a signatory to the original biological weapons uh, you know, a treaty. But every time we let them in the World Trade Organization, or I think even when they had to get permission, we had to have a grant them to let the French build the Wuhan lab. They always have to come clean, and they always come clean that they're cheating on the biological weapons program consistently from the beginning. 
Are you telling me that Central Intelligence Agency, the intelligence services against the Obama administration's National Security Council and others who were adamant? I think this was a unanimous vote to say no, or unanimous uh, unanimity in coming together. We got to stop it here. It's too dangerous. We got to review what's going on. That at that time, that Daszak's telling you that guys at the CIA thought it was good to quote unquote get them up to speed from 15 years behind on their rudimentary yet dangerous already uh, offensive uh, biological weapons program? Well, Dr. Dasik didn't go into that level of detail. And actually, when he asked me, he, he approached me as if he were, were looking for advice whether or not we should work with the CIA. You know, in hindsight, looking back, I don't know if Equal Alliance was already working with the CIA, which seems more likely, or if this was actually a, a new endeavor, a new business opportunity for Equal Alliance and, and, and Dr. Dasik. What this does suggest, though, is that either the Central Intelligence Agency is either uh, terribly incompetent, and they didn't—they weren't aware of this, you know, gain-of-function work happening at the Wuhan Institute of Virology being transferred from United States um, academic institutions, or they're in on it. Just for the audience, uh, Doctor Huff, I just want to make sure people know. When we talk about this gain of function, we talk about this area of uh, of biology and particularly bioweapons um, and the research that's done at Fort Detrick and other places, the weapons labs in a defensive posture. Um, I remember on my Navy ship, as bad as nuclear weapons were, in, in the order of priority of the most dangerous, biological was top, chemical was second, the <laughs> nuclear weapons and the radiation, as bad as that was, was third. The, the, the biological and chemical are so it's hard to control that as to lead you to say, oh, my God, how do we even control this? You can see this from East Palestine, Ohio, with the phosgene gas that was used in World War I and the problems we've had there. It, didn't it strike you, being a professional, that this was kind of shocking to say that we would be transferring the weapons making that is just as significant and probably more significant than making nuclear bombs? to the Chinese Communist Party, and particularly to people who are not at the level of sophistication to be able to manage this or handle it? Oh, well, absolutely. And so when I first started working at Equal Health Alliance, I was hired as a senior scientist. I was incredibly successful. I was a top performing employee. And then I brought in about six and a half million dollars within my first year of new research funding. Um, primarily due to that, I'm promoted to vice president. And once I'm promoted to vice president, my butt's on the line. And having worked in national security much of my life, I actually bring this up at one of the executive meetings. I said, I actually went to Dr. Dasik and I said, aren't you the slightest bit concerned that the Chinese are going to do something nefarious with this or they're going to, um, you know, rip off the company or steal our intellectual property? Because really, I was looking out for myself and EcoHealth Alliance, not, not even so much just the national security context of just, you know, being good stewards of our company. And Dr. Dasik was very flippant in his response, you know, well, we're going to do this work. You go through this in the book, and I want to make sure you do it. Do Dr. Dasik, as our own Natalie Winters has, has, because we talked about this in the first week we started doing War Room Pandemic back in, right after Chinese New Year's in uh, Lunar New Year in um, 2020. Um, with your concern, Dr. Dasik really became the most prominent voice early on for this just came between a mongoose, you know, kissing something else, some, and, and it transferred up a thousand miles into the wet market. Right, a pan, a pan, a pangola, or whatever it is. D didn't Dasik, even before Fauci, wasn't Dasik the guy that was most out in front of this? 
Well, absolutely. And that's all part of the psychological operation, which I was planned and orchestrated by the U.S. government, uh, globalist ent entities and uh, multinational corporations. So, I mean, you have to look at the facts here. So the, the narrative um, that has been spun by the U.S. Governor, uh, government that China is to blame and they lied to us, like Do uh, Director Ray was saying uh, from the FBI, is BS. They know exactly when this disease, disease emerged. It, diseased, it emerged in uh, August or September of 2019. And I believe the U.S. government catches wind of it in October, maybe November at the latest. But after the, the World Military Games in Wuhan, which take place in late October of 2019, there's service members from all over the world that report getting sick. And, you know, I used to serve in the military. I've, I've worked for the Department of Defense. I've actually worked on their biosurveillance systems and developed the technology to, to uh, detect these types of emerging infectious disease threats. And I know how well they work and what, what their limitations are. And this is absolutely something that they would have detected. So by the time Dr. Dasik comes into the story and then, you know, he's put in charge of the, the origin investigation with the WHO, this is all smoke and mirrors being broadcast for the world. Let's go back. When you say it was August and September, we got a pretty good trail of receipts to know it was, it, it, it was at least late December when all this starts going back and forth between the Chinese, what is this, CDC and, and others. How do you get, and we know about the World Military Games and the people sick there in October. How do you get, how do you actually get to August and September? Well, you know, the government really screwed up when they decided to, to make me, a, call me a fringe epidemiologist and come after me because I'm actually trained as a uh, forensic criminal epidemiologic investigator by the FBI. So one of the ways that you can get at this, this problem is that there, there are people donating blood all over the world continuously. And it acts like a historical record. So what some smart epidemiologists like myself did in Europe is they actually went, at, went and looked at blood bank donations of all the fall uh, and winter of 2019 and into the summer. And, and what they found was that when they tested these blood bank donations with serology tests, that they were positive for SARS-CoV-2 coronaviruses. And then they went and asked those people, you know, conduct a little detective work, you know, where had you been, who had you been in contact with, and it all traces back to Wuhan, China. The Wuhan lab itself was was opened, I think, was it late, correct me if I'm wrong, was it late 2008, when, when the French, when they actually came online? Because I remember a couple of uh, State Department employees went down there, uh, I think one from the local consulate, uh, in Wuhan, and one from actually Beijing from the embassy went down and had a, not even an inspection tour, but a, a get to know you and, and, and kind of stick around and look at processes. And they actually sent a memo back, I believe, a cable, as it's called, saying, hey, we ought to go to DEFCON 1 on this. This is the most unsupervised amateur hour thing we've ever seen, and this could lead to big problems. Was Wuhan, when you say it's the, you, you're doing the blood checkings in August and September, this is literally in the first year of its operation? Um, uh, well, no, that would have been 20, um, 2019. So um, twenty. So not in its first year of operation. So this would have been um, September or August of, of 2019. So I don't think that's quite within its year. It actually been... No, 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 no. But what, what, when, did, when did Wuhan actually... My point is that this came out of Wuhan immediately upon its being stood up 
as a, as no, a no. level so, four so laboratory. I think, I think that's a slight <laughs> yeah. misunderstanding. So um, the Wuhan Institute of Virology okay. had existed for quite some period of time. Um, so Equal Health Alliance, um, according to the, the documents I have that I released, on, uh, released online, started working with the Wuhan Institute of Virology in 2012 or 2013, and that's in the understanding the risk of that coronavirus proposal. I left the Equal Health Alliance in 2016. And what happens from uh, 2014 to 2019 is that they continue, um, they being Equal Health Alliance, continues to work with the Wuhan Institute of Virology on this gain-of-function research, and it becomes more advanced um, up into the point where they submit a proposal to the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency in, I think it was 2018, um, looking to aerosolize uh, bat viruses and, and vaccines. And DARPA says, oh, my God, this is the craziest thing that we've ever seen. We're not going to fund this. So, so, and, and so your work with the two, your work with them 2014 essentially coincides. My point is coincides with it being shut down in the United States immediately. And the Virology Institute, I know, is different. They got the P4 lab too. It's 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 the same location but different entity, controlled by PLA and CCP. But we, you're saying the intelligence services with either Echo Health Alliance as a cutout or as a contractor, you pick it. Uh, was transferring this type of expertise and technology or gain of function from at least around 2014, 2015, which was simultaneously the same time that the U.S. government deemed it was too risky to be done here in laboratories and under scientists that are at the highest level of, uh, of understanding and safety, correct? Oh, absolutely. That's exactly what happened. So are, you're saying if we had a congressional investigation and, and you were a witness, you would you would testify to all that under uh, under under oath? Oh, I, I've already given a deposition under oath with penalty of perjury with uh, attorney Tom Renz. I've also given sworn um, affidavits under oath with penalty of perjury stating all these facts. You know, one of the craziest things uh, that also happened while I worked with, at Equal Health Alliance. So once I'm promoted to vice president, I asked to be uh, added to the, the USAID PREDICT program. So that's the United States Agency for International Development. And at this gain of function work and this going around the world fishing for coronaviruses actually began under USAID, which is you know sometimes jokingly referred to as CIA light. So here they are going around the world collecting these coronaviruses. They begin the gain of function work under USAID. And you know the nice thing is I think I've finally convinced everyone in Congress because Senator Rand Paul about two weeks ago came out and he was using my uh, talking points and he finally got it right. He said, yeah, USAID, USAID was the program where this gain of function work started. So I'm I'm completely willing to testify. You know, another really interesting thing happened in, in my story. So about three weeks ago now, um, I received a letter from the Russian Federation asking, uh, requesting that I help them investigate the bio laboratories in Ukraine, which I'm quite familiar with, and also the origin of COVID. And there was, there was sort of a thin veiled threat if I didn't cooperate with their investigation that, you know, I could be guilty of some Russian uh, crime. So you know, here I used to have a top secret clearance working and all this stuff. So I had to notify the, the FBI and the Department of Energy and a number of other three-letter agencies that I used to work with that, you know, here's the Russians asking me to assist in their investigation. So I posted that to social media and then said, hey, you know, this is funny that the Russians want me to help with the, the COVID investigation, but I haven't been requested by anyone in Congress to, to come in and testify. Well, shortly thereafter, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene's uh, staff got a, got a hold of me. And, you know, asked me if I'd be willing to testify, you know, a soft ask. And I said, yes. So I'm not sure what poker game they're playing. But my, my biggest concern is looking at the way that Congress is spinning the narrative right now, trying to pin the blame on China, 
is that, you know, maybe I won't be called to testify because I'm going to, you know, stick to my guns. This is mostly a U.S. problem. Without the United States funding this dangerous gain-of-function work, giving them the advanced biotechnology, SARS-CoV-2 never would have been made, and it never would have leaked out of their laboratory. We went to uh, co-develop the dangerous mRNA jabs, and, you know, we wouldn't have all these people who were sick and dying from the disease and also from the side effects of the vaccine. Did you ever bring up to, to, to Peter Daszak that these guys are a decade or so in back of us on this? Why, why would the intelligence services, why would we want to transfer the, the, the most uh, uh, dangerous uh, technology and processes that are even banned here in the United States that ever come up? No, and I don't think he necessarily would have understood that uh, conversation. I, or I think that you know Dr. Daszak is mostly is a, a figurehead for the organization, and his scientific abilities are fairly weak, um, and his understanding of national security issues. I mean, he was always very flippant with security. And when I identified problems, for example, um, I was sitting in another meeting after I'd been t- uh, assigned to USAID Predict program, and I was assigned uh, South Sudan and Jordan as countries as my first two countries. And you operate very much as a scientific diplomat. You, you go over there, you have to meet with the um, diplomatic mission, usually the ambassador from the U.S., plus all the different um, agency heads in the, uh, the country you're working in. So in Jordan, for example, you know you meet with the Ministry of Health, the Ministry of Agriculture, the university president. It's a big dog and pony show. They're taking a bunch of pictures, plus you meet with all the scientists, and you go inspect the laboratories. So when I started taking a look at these laboratories and the capabilities and trying to sense how um, capable and well-trained the scientists were that were working in these facilities, I became a little worried because in, in Jordan specifically, we were on the hunt for Middle Eastern Respiratory um, uh, Syndrome virus. It's a coronavirus. And it's, it's a, you could argue it's a relative um, of SARS. And, you know, when I see the conditions that they're working in and, you know, I get a sense of how well these people are trained that we're going to execute the workforce on a contract, that's concerned. So when I went back to Ecoth Alliance after this trip, you know, I told them that uh, I had serious safety uh, concerns about the way that we were actually managing um, bio risk at all our international laboratories. Uh, Dr. Huff, can you hang on? We're going to take a short commercial break. Uh, we're going to return tomorrow. I just want to make sure before we go to break, you're saying this is around 2014, 2015. So it was in the Biden administration during the time that they shut it down here. Their CIA, led by John Brennan, actually worked with uh, Peter Daszak and Ecker Health Alliance to transfer that technology to a Chinese Communist Party lab. Okay, just short commercial break. Dr. Andrew Huff, The Truth About Wuhan is the book. He's the author and one of the key figures here. Take a short break. Back in a moment. And K. Bannon. Okay, welcome back. Our guest is uh, Dr. Andrew Huff. So, Dr. Huff, if if you were to testify in the coronavirus committee right now, that is Marjorie Taylor Greene's on. Of course, they got the Chinese uh, Gallagher's committee. They've got you know they got all these investigations going on. If you're to testify, you would recommend to them that John Brennan, the head of the CIA under President Obama, be called to testify because this, to your knowledge, and you have essentially firsthand knowledge, was a CIA-directed program to transfer this technology to the Chinese, the PLA and the Chinese Communist Party? I don't know if it was a CIA-directed uh, program. What I do know is that my boss, Dr. Peter Daszak, told me that he was working with the CIA. So whatever that means, in what context, I think there should be further questioning of Dr. Daszak and the CIA to validate that claim. But you're, but you're, but but Echo Health Alliance, you don't have you don't have the right, you don't have the right as a company to transfer 
that technology, unless the U.S. government signed off on it. You just don't have the right to take this type of uh, a very dangerous technology that's essentially banned here in the United States from experimentation. Any company doesn't have the right to just take it, take it to Wuhan and, uh, and, 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 and sell it to them or, or make some sort of arrangement where they can use it, correct? Well, I think if, there, if you look at export control law, I think this might be a gray area. I went and looked at it myself. I'm not an attorney, um, but those questions should be asked and there should be an investigation into that. With the money itself for the, the money itself for the Chinese tax, the, the, the Chinese lab to actually pay for it. Was that coming through some grant that Dasik got that was paid for? The Chinese actually paid for it out of their own pocket. Well, I, so I believe that some of it came from the U.S. taxpayers, but I, I think the the bigger issue here that and it's sort of fun to ask people: Do you think the Chinese need five hundred thousand dollars of American money to do gain of function work? I have no idea. I would not okay. know. I'm not a scientist. But okay, my point well, is that the U.S. government there, there was the U.S. government paid for. Well, first off, they don't know how to do the level of gain of function. You're talking about they don't actually have the technology or understand the processes to do that, correct? Yeah, you're absolutely correct. And the point where I was going with my question is it's almost laughable. There, there's no amount of money that we would need to give the Chinese for them to conduct gain-of-function work independently. It could be a million dollars. It could be $10 million of U.S. taxpayer money. The Chinese don't need it. They have plenty of money, and they're loaning all their money to us. So the thing that the Chinese really wanted here was the advanced biotechnology, and the methods, and the training, and that's what they got. And in and, and that, Dasik, you believed as doing this, Dasik had full approval of the U.S. government, correct? Well, absolutely. I mean, if they're signing off on the contracts and they're approving the work and they're reimbursing all the travel expenses, this is this has been approved by the U.S. government. One of the interesting things. So, so, so what? So, so, so uh, but hang on. So, so what department? What department approved? You said signed the contracts. Approve the travel, you know, all this. What, what what department was? If it's not the Central Intelligence Agency, what department was it? NIH. It was it one of Fauci's deals. Uh, so USAID first, and then after USAID, it was NIH, and then after that, it, it's hard to say. And Equal Health Alliance was a profitable nonprofit organization. They also received donations from a number of different nonprofit organizations, like. Um, trying to, to think back here, but so for example, the Google Foundation made uh, donations. There were data sharing agreements with the Wellcome Trust. The the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation was an indirect supporter of, of a lot of the work. So here you have a lot of these type of globalist um, and tech companies funneling resources into EcoHealth Alliance, and then e that that's non discretionary funding. So then EcoHealth Alliance could use that that funding however they wanted to. Another organization that was involved was the Rockefeller Foundation in, in funding work. So not necessarily all of it had to come from the U.S. government. But the fact of the matter is, you had Americans doing this work, transferring the technology to the Chinese. It yeah. should have been picked up by the intelligence community, and it should have been stopped. Uh, Dr. Hoff, how can people get the book? How can they follow you on social media and your website so they can see when you're going to speak, when you're going to do your uh, your media hits and follow your writings? Sure. So if you want a signed copy, you can pick it up on andrewhuff.com. If you just want a, a normal copy of the book, you can get it at pretty much any big box store, Amazon, Walmart, Target, et cetera. And if you want to follow me on social media, I'm pretty active on Twitter. It's uh, A.G. Huff, H-U-F-F, uh, and also on Getter and Truth Social, the same handle. 
Dr. Huff, thank you. Explosive, and we look forward to seeing the movie. And we look forward to seeing who, who do you, who do you pick to uh, as early call? Who do you pick to play you? I don't know yet. We are trying to figure that out. I was already sitting down with the writers and the producers and the filmmaker, uh, trying to figure out what we want to do. And you go for big names, it costs more. They make the the movie less profitable. So I'm not sure yet. I go with Brad Pitt, but hey, that's just me. Uh, thank you very much, Dr. Andrew Huff. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me again. Wonder. The new federal states at CPAC, uh, they're going to be with, there with us the entire weekend. But I want to go quickly to um, Rebecca Koffler. Rebecca, you've got this piece up in the uh, New York Post from earlier in, in January talking about the intelligence services and the thing. Now you got Andrew Huff, who was at Echo Health Alliance, and saying, hey, the CIA had a big hand in transferring technology uh, to the CCP. Uh, and that's going to be a big explosion. I think he's going to testify. I think they're going to get guys over from the intelligence. Agency. Give us your overview. Your former DIA. Why are we sitting here in? Uh, and we played it at the open. Why are we sitting here in uh, on March first of twenty twenty three, and we're whining about the the CCP not uh, not cooperating with us? Why? It's because uh, this is the biggest intelligence uh, failure, Steve, since September 11th. Remember, the terrorist attacks, you know, uh, killed about 3,000 Americans. This Chinese uh, Wuhan virus killed more than 1 million Americans and 7 million uh, people all over the world. And it's because despite billions of dollars that we pump in as taxpayers into our intelligence, they can't protect us from these threats, whether it's, you know, China, whether it's virus, uh, Russia-Ukraine conflict, Iran, um, until these threats actually materialize. Um, look, you made a very excellent uh, point, Dr. Cobb. Uh, and by the way, I do, I do have the book. It's, uh, I was, uh, I was going to ask you for a while to get him on your program, and here, he, uh, here he is. So, what I can bring to this conversation is the knowledge of China's biological warfare doctrine, which is part of its unrestricted warfare doctrine that the two Chinese uh, colonels described in this book. So uh, believe it or not, not only the intelligence community, but also the State Department knew as early as 2005 that China did have an offensive biological warfare program. And the Wuhan Institute together with the so-called Fifth Institute were developing the weaponizations of saw coronavirus um, so that they can use them as what they call a genetic weapon, okay? And this was all known. This is back in 2005. So imagine how many years, you know, we've had to be able to counter those kinds of um, developments and prevent the threat that killed um, a million of Americans. Rebecca, hang on one second. I'm going to go to Prince and Nicole. I'm going to come right back to you. Let's go to mm -hmm. uh, over to CPAC, and they're going to join us. Uh, they're going to be with us all week, Nicole and, uh, and Prince. Nicole, I want to start with you. Given the interview we just had about uh, about Wuhan and about transfer technology and, and Wuhan working with American intelligence services, and you've got Rebecca Koffler that says it's a huge uh, failure, that China had a, the PLA and CCP had a uh, 
had an active offensive biological weapons program. In the new federal state, this is pretty much known by all the members of the new federal state, and we talk about it all the time. There's no secrets here. That being said, what did you think last night of the of the kickoff for the, the China Select Committee where they're talking about their strategic competitors, and it seemed very, very lightweight, very namby-pamby. What, what, is, what is your initial assessment, given the, the controversy over Wuhan to what happened last night on Capitol Hill? Yes, absolutely. So remember, the CCP virus killed more than one million American people's life, and we're talking about competition. No, this is not about the competition. This is a life and death threat. CCP is the existential threat to America, to American people's life, liberty, and the future. And I would also argue that uh, I saw on the news that there were two protesters uh, holding a sign to say, uh, China is not our enemy and stop the Asian hate. So I would say, if we want to fight the Asian hate, if we want a peace, love, and unity, we need to take down the CCP. And the real xenophobia, racist, is the CCP. And this country needs to stand united together against the CCP. In this country, I think the Chinese Americans should be the should be leading the crusade against the CCP. Last night, Prince. Before I go to you, I want to just follow up with Nicole. Um, they one of the congressmen came on because the the signs up there saying uh, this is China is not our enemy. As you know, I'm one of the co-founders with Miles uh, of the new federal state. Absolutely, China is not the enemy, and the Chinese people are not the enemy. The enemy is the CCP, and the CCP's number one, uh, what they're trying to destroy is Lao Beijing, is the Chinese people. What didn't the protesters understand about that? Well, I think uh, the protesters actually are saying the exact very truth that we want to promote. We love China. We love the Chinese people. But the CCP does not represent China nor the Chinese people. In fact, the CCP wants to conflate the uh, CCP and the Chinese people and China. So I think the protesters need to be well-educated. And I, I, I think all the American people should also understand the clear difference between the CCP and China and Chinese people. And I would also credit you know, a big time to you and Mr. Uh, Moscow, who have been educating the Western society about the difference, which is critical because we do not want the CCP to criminalize all the Asian Americans, especially the Chinese Americans. When we're fighting the CCP, this is not a racism. We're fighting the CCP, who is the biggest racist against the Chinese people. And China is, is not our enemy. China is our friend. And we need to establish the real relationship with the Chinese people who are not represented by the CCP. That would be the new federal state of, of China as a start. Uh, Prince, let me go to you. I noticed, because this has all come up in the last 72 hours, ever since she, you know, said he's going to, you know, meet with Zelensky, and Zelensky says, I think there's some interesting things in the peace plan. I noticed, Prince, that Miles Guo and Steve Bannon's war room are still not on Twitter. Not that I'm complaining. I'm, I'm a getter guy. Exclusive to Getter. I love Getter. I don't need Twitter and would never go there. And one of the reasons I said I'd never go there is that Elon Musk is completely financed by the CCP. Now, Elon Musk put up one little tweet, I think, about Wuhan over the weekend, and the CCP came and said, hey, shut up. If you don't shut up, we're going to pull the Tesla deal, which I've been saying from the beginning. The reason he won't allow back the, the hardest core anti-CCP fighters is he's totally con he's more compromised than Biden or as compromised because all the Tesla, all of his cash comes out of Tesla. What, what is your assessment of that, Prince? 
thank you, Mr. Bannon. And you know, you were so right to point that uh, the the Chinese Communist Party factor out in the entire Twitter deal. And I would even argue that behind Elon Musk and you know, in relation to the investigation uh, regarding the CCP virus, the American public ought to ask. Why has it taken the American government this long after one million dead Americans to investigate the origins of this virus? And why hasn't the Twitter deal been stopped or investigated because, well, there's a potential CCP influence in there, which is the greatest adversary to America's existence. So the real answer here is, Mr. Bannon, that we have to clean out America first. We have to root out the corruptions in this country, the establishment who have been so, for so long be in bed together with the CCP. They get too comfortable with it. No, remember, it was merely years after that America embarked embargo on the Soviet Union that the Berlin Wall fell and visit the Soviet Union. So as soon as the U.S. decouples from the CCP, the communist regime will fall on its own corrupt ways. The Chinese people have enjoyed 5,000 years of thriving civilization without the CCP. And given the track record, I think they can do just as fine. Thank you, sir. Uh, Nicole, let me go back to you on something Prince just said. Uh, we've had Ray, the FBI director, and others on TV all weekend giving interviews, and, and, and people are making Prince's point. So, well, hold it. This is three years. It's three years later. What's going on? And they go, well, we can't make any more progress because the CCP uh, won't cooperate with us. The PLA won't cooperate with us. They won't let us really get into Wuhan. They won't let us talk to the doctors. Is that the saddest thing you've ever heard, that the United States government is sitting there going, oh, but the CCP won't cooperate, so we just got to shrug our shoulders, and it's tough luck for the one million people, for the trillions of dollars, for the seven million people worldwide. What would be the new federal state of China's recommendation of how, what the U.S. government should do to get to the bottom, the truth, about the Wuhan lab, ma'am? Well, you don't negotiate with a criminal or a murderer. The CCP has more than 90 million members, but only more than a uh, little over 100 people are considered the kleptocrats who control 99% of the wealth. And you know what? They place their wives, sons, children, and their assets in the, in the United States of America. So it's very easy for America to do is to uh, apply the Global uh, Magnitsky Act or RICO Act, freeze their asset and, you know, cut off their asset. This is the best way and the easiest way for American people, American government uh, to sanction the CCP. And again, sanctioning the CCP is the best way to free China. And this is the reason why we come to the CPAC and we have a very important message to share with all the freedom-loving American people that we're here only to ask America, please stop uh, giving intravenous therapy or giving the financial blood and all the technology uh, transfer to the CCP. Because if America stop helping the CCP, the new federal state of China led by Mr. Mao Zedong and Steve K. Bannon, we can take down the CCP within uh, 100 days. Prince, uh, to wrap up here, is there any way that you can get to the bottom of this unless you play hardball with the CCP? Is the CCP a group? Is this group anybody you can compromise with since they've stonewalled us for three years? Or is your recommendation you have to play hardball? 
I think you absolutely have to play hardball. And I think that's an inevitable way, and there's no other way that's in the interest of the American people. That three years ago, Mr. Bannon, that Mao School exposed the 13759 plan at the national press conference. And then he came onto the war room show to tell the entire world the truth about this long plan biological war by the CCP. So if a country, if a regime like the CCP has spent several decades preparing for this war, do you think they're just gonna give up unless we play hardball? So we think we absolutely have to do it. We will see you at CPAC. They will be among our first guests and contributors at uh, tomorrow. We kick off live. It's Nicole and Prince. Uh, guys, what is the, how do people get to the new federal states, uh, the great shows? We weren't able to do our Wednesday interview, but how do, what's the social media? How do they get to it on Getter? Uh, you can follow Mr. Miles Guo on Getter and NFSC Speaks on Getter. And we also have a beautiful booth here. We're at the booth 422, and we also have two uh, most magnificent media booths. That's 31 and 32. Stop by, and we look forward to seeing you. Thank you, sir. We're going to get everybody there. By the way, that, that, that booth right there is magnificent. I am so jealous right now. That is fantastic. So thank you, guys. <laughs> look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's Nicole's the host. Thank you, Princeton. Thank you, Nicole. Nicole's the host of the show. Let me go back to um, Rebecca Koffler. Rebecca, do you agree? Isn't it your former DIA? And you guys are pretty, those are pretty tough hombres over DIA. Isn't it a little embarrassing for the intelligence services and the FBI, Chris Ray, to be, yam, be, to, be uh, uh, whining to Brett Baer? Well, they won't help us. You know, they're not cooperating. They're not going to help us. They haven't, that is absurd. What should be done here, Rebecca Koffler? We've got a couple of minutes. Walk through the Rebecca Koffler plan to get to the bottom of this. Sure. This is absolutely absurd. They should not be relying on the people who actually potentially engineered this uh, virus to actually confirm the intelligence assessment. I mean, uh, they have Chinese experts, so-called experts, serve as fact checkers. It is absolutely naive. But the problem is this. The question is whether it is an intelligence failure or, as Dr. Huff uh, said, is it a cover-up? And I am more and more leaning to assess that this is actually a cover-up because Steve, back in December, when the Intelligence uh, Oversight Committee, both in the Senate and on the House side, tried to do an investigation, the intelligence agencies failed to come clean. They did not disclose the fact that the COVID-19 pandemic was consistent with China's biological weapons program. Um, these weapons, the Chinese view them as soft weapons, as a, and they have advantage, according to the Chinese military theorists, um, with the um, hard weapons like nuclear weapons and conventional weapons. Why? It's because they can be used in peacetime. And actually, the Chinese theorists describe exactly the situation that we experienced during the COVID pandemic. Uh, they said this weapon could be used as genetic weapon in order to attack the population of the adversary and to strain their medical uh, system so that it wow. creates chaos and economic disaster. And this was all known. And the intelligence agencies failed to disclose this to the American people Re and to oversight committees. Re Rebecca, we got to bounce real quickly. How they get your book and how they get to your website? 
RebeccaCoffla.com is my website. I'm on uh, Twitter, Getter, and uh, True Social at Rebecca0132. Thank you for having me. Amazing. We're going to head back on in the next couple of days, talk about Iran, a, a, a potential war exploding in the Middle East. Rebecca Coffler's <laughs> all over from DIA. Okay. It's the eve of CPAC. We're going to be live there tomorrow. You're not going to want to miss it. Nicole and the Prince will be there. Uh, is, we're going to have a lot of surprises tomorrow starting CPAC. 10 a.m. tomorrow morning. See you then. <laughs> 